Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. Talk of a recession has been rife, hasn't it? In early July, the International Monetary Fund warned that we cannot rule out the prospect of a global recession on the horizon. The highly anticipated post-COVID economic recovery has also been hampered by, of course, geopolitical tensions as well as supply chain disruptions. And don't forget, supply shortages of commodities such as energy and food. Now, with the bear market seeing some encouragement in the form of rallies over the past few weeks, stay across the world continue to employ tight fiscal policies, such as raising interest rates to curb spiraling inflation, sowing further seeds of concern for a possible recession. Now, the thought of a recession is not foreign. Many of us, in fact, might have lived through major recessionary events in the past. Think about it, the 1999 Asian financial crisis, the 2008 global financial crisis. However, would the potential recession this year or next year be similar to previous events? How different might it be? Well, William Lim joins us. He's financial services manager at Philip Capital, and he's here to fill us in on the nature of a recession and, of course, what you can do during this time with your investment portfolio. Hi, William. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Hi, Bharati. Thanks for inviting me on. Okay, William, here's the thing. I've heard many an analyst say a recession is not a base case scenario for Asia, but a recession in the U.S. will no doubt have a ripple effect, right? So how yeah. would a recession this year or next year be similar to or differ from previous events, things that we should note this time round? Thanks, Bharati. Yeah, a recession is a significant declining, like what you mentioned previously, economic activity that lasts for an extended period of time. So in the United States, the official recessions called KIPO, we call them the National Bureau of Economic Research, short for Ember. Their business cycle dating committee looks at variables such as real personal income, minus government transfers, things like employment, various forms of real consumer spending and industrial production. Uh, Of course, during a recession, stock prices will fall. Stock markets will become more volatile. Investors may become a lot more reactive and the flight to safety may cause some investors to enact an exit strategy entirely. Some statistics, the uh, non-recessionary bear markets on average falls around 25.9%, while the recessionary bear markets uh, get hit a much harder amount of uh, 39.6% on average. So recessions do matter to investors because they reduce employment, track down consumer spending, lower corporate revenues and ultimately drag profits down. But how worried should we be here in Asia? Yeah, okay, good point. I think the markets are pretty correlated in terms of, let's say, what the S&P 500 is doing. In Mm -hmm. fact, you do see that dragging down even back to our local context in terms of the Straits Times Index. I think the main thing, um, what you're asking uh, right now is mainly consumer sentiments are at an all-time low. Uh, effectively, because of uh, all the quantitative tightening, I think that really drives up the uh, risk-free rates. Um, and and you, as you can see, many issuers like Fraser's Green Notes and you can see the bank's fixed deposit. So it's definitely having a way down on equity valuations. Yep. Here's the thing though, should you exit? You did allude to an exit strategy, but I do know of many investors who say, you know what, just stay put and wait and yeah. things will get better. So should you exit right yep. now? You make a fantastic point. So if we base on some hot call data, uh, going back to 2007, right before the uh, Lehman Brothers 
financial great financial crisis that hit us in the 07 to 08. If you look at just at cash, based on an asset class, particularly in US, that returned an average annualized return of 0.81%. However, you're right. If you adopt a buy and hold on the best performing asset class, if you consider emerging markets, Europe developed markets, the S&P 500 effectively returned a 10.66% annualized return since 2007, all the way to uh, to, uh, 2021, sorry, excluding this year's returns. Okay, so at this point, during a recession this year or next, and considering the circumstances that we're facing, what would your advice be? What should people look out for in terms of potential opportunities during this time? Because clearly there will still be opportunities, right? Yeah, historically, income-generating assets have delivered positive returns when growth was slowing and inflation was high. So investors seeking shelter in income assets can get compensated as they wait for uncertainty to subside. Um, Investment-grade bonds are defensive asset class investors should consider during an economic slowdown. Uh, Yields across quality corporate bonds look attractive at current levels, given that their credit credit fundamentals are resilient despite a weaker macroeconomic outlook. Also, on the other hand, dividends offer an additional stream of income, adding to your total returns. Asia has a large number of quality high-dividend stocks currently trading at attractive valuations, so investors with an appropriate risk appetite can take advantage of the sell-offs to buy into high-quality companies. Yep. So, of course, some of the worst hit sectors or geographic regions can look uh, pretty at a bargain level kind of valuations. Mm. So right now, given the current situation in Europe, banks in Europe may be good options. Some of the prices have not moved for the past decade, but managed to still generate earnings even with negative interest rates. So that seems to be reversing as interest rates are climbing to a decade high in Europe. Yeah. What should people absolutely stay away from during this time, William? Okay. I think given this uh, fact that CPI reading uh, that came out uh, recently still look pretty sticky. So I think the narrative uh, on the Federal Reserve is that they'll still continue to remain very hawkish. I think the fact is, if you look, you know, Robinhood has a very interesting, Robinhood have their own index, which tracks the top 10 most traded stocks. And they include things even like meme stocks, like AMC, and then of course your regular uh, stocks like Apple, um, Tesla. I think the main thing is to still remember to stay diversified and try to avoid um, hyper growth stocks because I think the narrative sometimes can be if you invest on the first order narratives, for example, you get into a hyper growth stock that is down 70, 80%, 90% from its top, let's say based on last year when the sell down on tech stocks started in March 2021. It shouldn't be the right rationale to be investing in some some of this what costs so solely low value just because it's discounted by 70-80%. So I think the whole point is to look for quality companies with resilient earnings. Mm, it always takes us back to fundamentals, right? Always look yeah. at the company fundamentals. Here's the thing. I've also heard a lot of nervous people saying, you know what, we're better just leaving our money in the bank or in our CPF accounts because CPF interest rates are pretty good, right? Yep. What do you say to individuals who feel that way, who say, you know what, why bother investing in anything at all? Let's just put it aside in a safe place. And CPF is a safe place with a better interest rate than a lot of banks. You are absolutely right. I think the main thing, you still have to come down to your personal financial plan. You have to look at 
certain quantifiable data, for example, how long out are you towards, for example, your retirement? Are you planning for some high expenses uh, items that it's going to be in the near term, i.e., for example, a housing purchase that's going to be two, three years? That then some comes down to what I would say your asset allocation. So you have to know, uh, basically based on your own financial plan, your appetite for risk, and then determine what amount of that asset allocation, i.e., uh, the amount of stocks that you're comfortable in your portfolio, the number of bonds, and then let's say, i.e., the cash amount that should be cash or cash equivalent should be in your portfolio. So um, to answer your question, fixed deposits, CPF, I think the function down here is they all function a little bit differently. If you're talking about fixed deposits, uh, the clarity is there that one year out, you still have access to your money. But anything like, for example, um, low, short duration bonds, even of a five-year nature, for example, like the um, Fraser's green notes and CPF, for example, if clearly you put it in and you have no liquidities, you have to take uh, note of all this kind of things. And they still can still form a part of your entire asset allocation, just depending on which part of that portfolio uh, caters for different liquidity purposes at different cycles of your life. Yeah, I know that a lot of investors, whether they are newer to the game or whether they've been in it for a long time, are always looking to optimize their portfolios. I believe you have some tools that could help. Yes, yes. I think that's right. We basically at Philip, we always believe in trusting the process. And that also involves choosing a trusted brokerage platform. So obviously at Philip Capital, we pride ourselves on doing our best for investors. We have a proven track record of pursuing innovation and digitization. So down here, personalized advice can help you navigate an investment landscape with an overwhelming number of products and technologies. So having a trusted source can help you separate the signal from the noise, which can be a financial lifesaver. Sometimes it doesn't always show up on the bottom line, but it can make your financial life a lot much easier. So one of the things uh, that we have as a financial house, we have a wide array of educational tools on our podium platform, such as market journals, research reports, and videos. Some of these materials benefit the public are also made accessible on our social media platforms, such as YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, and even on Peach, our own video production house. So even on a regular basis, we curate topics of relevance and uh, products webinars for our clients and the public. Every quarter, we also hold strategy stock picks webinars. So our research team will pick a stock. Every company in their own respective sector will need to be uh, able to analyze that company, prepare a financial model, interview the company management, and uh, weigh the risks of the individual companies. Okay, so for investors who prefer a more hands-off approach, we have our own robo-advice, mm. smart portfolio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think so, more and more people are leaning towards robo-advisors these days. Yes. Yes, you're right. I, I think it's really because of the pandemic, right? So di- digitization, it's, it's really the trend right now. So in, in our smart portfolio, we employ a unique cyborg methodology and periodic portfolio rebalancing in managing our portfolio. So invest in unit trust across geographic regions, semantic sectors and asset classes. So this methodology is a proprietary algorithm built in-house by the principal data scientists to digest more than a thousand data points daily at a breadth and depth that cannot be simply interpreted at a human level. So picking up on robust and actionable signals. So of course, this guides our chief investment officer and investment team to select funds to form these diversified portfolios for our clients. Thanks very much for that, William. William Lim, Financial Services Manager at Philip Capital. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. You have a great day ahead. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. 
That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.